Welcome to Let Us Explain on the Intercut Podcast, the completely sporadic and unscheduled intercut supplement where we go all in on a piece of TV, movies, or entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he broke up with and got back together with his girlfriend five times, it's Arturo Zarita. We had just done the Midsommar review, so <laughs> if you, that's why we were making fun of the fact that the more times you see the movie with your girlfriend, the more you start realizing, like, there's some things you maybe got to fix. We realized, though, Phantom Thread is our movie. I don't know why, yeah. <laughs> but I think Phantom Thread may be our relationship movie. Uh, but I'm excited to be here. I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I, that's probably worse than Midsommar, right? <laughs> At least they went on a vacation. Than that, yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, I'm excited to be here to talk some Stranger Things. Yeah, also things. joining us on this intercut, let Ooh. us explain, he's hotter than Phoebe Cates, uh, hey. it's Taylor Williams. Hello. I'm, Just I'm, like that. I'm Taylor, I don't know how to introduce myself. <laughs> that, that's that, 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 that nice baritone, deep voice, <laughs> it makes me feel like Phoebe Cates is in the room, really. <laughs> Uh, Taylor is joining us to talk about Stranger Things Season 3 because we can't stop thinking about uh, the latest installment from Netflix that apparently everybody's watching. Everyone. What we do here on After Credits, um, let me, on the Let Us Explain Intercut thing, is deep dive on something that we can't stop thinking about for other people who can't stop thinking about that thing too. That means we'll be talking about anything and everything, including spoilers, so you might want to wait until you've seen the show to watch our segment or not if that's your thing Mm -hmm. but before we jump into the spoiler zone let's talk a little more generally about stranger things season three we're back in hawkins and so is the mind flayer this season the dark creatures from the upside down are taking over the bodies of hawkins residents and being manipulated by russian scientists but above ground there's a new mall that everyone's excited about art what struck you about the latest offering of stranger things one character. Maya Hawk's character. That's it. That's yeah, all I gotta say. Maya Hawk was really great on this uh, as Robin. Mm-hmm. As we got told yesterday, yeah, Robin. Uh, I think she was a standout character not only because of the way that her arc ends up, uh, I guess, coming, coming to a climax, but she had the best lines. She's got the only lines that I'm really quoting back other than the new Coke ad uh, in where, you know, she's always making fun of, I'm always forgetting his name, but they worked at the, what was it, Scoops Ahoy? And mm-hmm. their whole setting there I thought was hilarious. They have the best costumes on, which they don't change, as opposed to freaking L, who we have a whole scene at the Gap, just trying out yeah, new clothes. Yeah, we get clothes. the uh, classic 80s fashion montage. Yeah, they created, like, uh, it's like, here we go. Max. Here's 50 new pops, 50 new Funko Pop variants we can have of L as she was changing. I was like, eh, I, I like the simplicity of these two over here, but just how blunt she was. She was always making fun of, um, what's his name? Steve. Steve. Steve for having well, are your kids friends or <laughs> any yeah. line that dealt with adults going like why is a four year old talking to me I thought was funny because yeah. to me the funniest how many part, children do you hang out with yo <laughs> uh, how do these adults in Hawkins feel I see this I don't know about you guys but every time I get to the fourth or fifth episode I'm just looking at the extras the adults going y'all don't even realize kids are saving your lives every year yeah <laughs> right like <laughs> well it's like that it's like that um. Steve's mom line when they're looking for him at the carnival uh, when uh-huh. uh, Joyce and Hopper go and find Steve's mom and she's just like I haven't seen them in days it's yeah, summer even... like it's just we... such a completely different yeah. attitude towards parenting that I think what we're used to as kids of the 90s but you know that, that's I guess 80s. that was the yeah. thing where that's what you know, it follows, you let dude. the kids run around and you just don't pay attention to them 
maybe they're stopping Russian invasions and we just don't know about it. Can't interfere uh, with Taylor, that. Taylor, uh, you you mentioned that you also uh, liked the chips. Oh, sorry, the Scoops Ahoy crew. Chips Ahoy uh, <laughs> could be a flavor. Uh, what was it about that whole dynamic? Do you think that made it some of the most uh, entertaining parts of the new season? Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, back in season two, having Steve and Dustin pair up was kind of a really unexpected thing that ended up being like really entertaining. So, yeah, I think the audience response to that was really they were kind of like i think we have to have these characters back again this season but um i think having more characters and making it a full group made it feel a little not like they were trying to just like redo what they did in season two Mm -hmm. right yeah they clearly found a dynamic that works well in matching steve and dustin they've got this like older brother younger brother dynamic that's really fun uh, so it was cool to let them continue to develop that relationship in this third season, but not have it just be another adventure with just the two of them. By bringing in Robin, who is a really cool character, played excellently by Maya Hawk. By uh, bringing in Erica, who I found I thought they overdid her a little bit this season in uh, making her that like bratty that bratty little sister thing. Yeah, like she's both like always got a one liner and has this vast knowledge of different government. Yeah. Uh, capitalist economy. Yeah, but they uh, did that for her and her brother, which I know we'll talk a little bit because her brother ends up doing ah new code. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. they give him practically well, well, lines that are meant to like break the fourth wall or something. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, we'll get into some of the Stranger Things product product placements in a bit. But talking still a little bit more generally about this season, uh, Taylor, in your video, which is great video, go check out oh, his channel. You for uh, more of Taylor's thoughts on the most recent installment of Stranger Things. You mentioned that Stranger Things is increasingly feeling more like a TV show. What do you mean by that? Could you expand on that? Yeah, when the first season came out, um, you know, I obviously I thought it could have ended where it ended and just been a mm-hmm. standalone thing. Um, and I believe that's what they intent in, uh, initially had intended, for it to just be part of an anthology series and... That would have been sick. It's yeah, a new Stranger I've, I've Thing heard every a lot season. Of people saying it should be an anthology, um, which could be cool. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, with TV writing, it's very clear. Like the first season, they had just a story in mind, and it spanned eight episodes. That was just the time frame, but it felt like a singular mm-hmm. thing. But you know, what's really common in TV writing is you have to. You know, take the same characters that you have, you know, contractually obligated to be in the show, and you have to give them all, you know, stuff to do, um, mm-hmm. so that the actors have a reason to be there. And so, mm-hmm. you can kind of feel that a lot more in the past two seasons. It's more about what do we do to give these characters stuff to do, rather than what is this story. Um, so I guess it just feels a little less organic and more like they they have to stick to this formula and keep these yeah. characters doing stuff. Yeah. Certainly there are a lot more like contrived elements as the show has come along and you see them trying out different dynamics in some cases it works like matching up 
uh, Stephen Dustin. In other cases, it, it doesn't seem quite as organic. And I thought, uh, you know, you had mentioned this in your video that Max and Billy felt a little superfluous in the second season. Whereas uh, maybe, you know, given a whole season to integrate themselves, I thought their roles were a little bit better in season three. I, I like the, the dynamic between Max and Will, uh, sorry, Max and uh, Mike, both kind of fighting to be the protector of L in a way, like the person who looks after and thinks they mm. know what's best for L. Um, but it, it's not all, it doesn't necessarily, it, it does get into that idea of why, why is everything about these guys? Why does everything continue to revolve around them? Uh, why is it that when four children get caught in a Russian government facility that they somehow are the only people who can orchestrate their own escape. Like they, yeah. they really, it, there are certain contrivances that feel super convenient. And overall, what bothered me most about season three is how easy a lot of the different challenges felt for them. I, I haven't felt that way in the past with Stranger Things, where they get to an obstacle and you just know they're going to get out of it. Uh, obviously, it's a TV show and it's going to have to continue on, but you want to set up goals that feel like their actual challenges for your characters. How would you guys rate the seasons? Because for me, it's still season 2A was my favorite. I was like, because oh. I didn't care for season 1 at all. Then season 2 comes around and everyone's complaining about it. And I started, I was like, it's not that bad. Then episode 7 happens. But uh, how would you rate them between season 1, 2, and 3? And do you, like, does season 3 give you more hope for the future? Or do you feel it's going to continue being this thing that you said of just like, Contrivances, and now the actors are going to need more money, which means there's going to be there. There definitely needs to be more time for certain people on screen and stuff. Um, I really loved season one a lot. Um, okay. Like I was kind of hyped for it when the first trailer came out, and no one was really talking about it. And I watched, I think I watched it all in a day or two, like most people did. And I was like, I don't know, I was really impressed by it because the marketing beforehand wasn't really like people kind of forget it just came out of nowhere and was a thing that people started talking about just because it was really good now it's marketed everywhere and right. netflix realizes what they have but um you know when it came out it was kind of a neat little surprise so and i still think season one is um yeah just really airtight and everything falls in place in a way that i was really happy with seasons two and three i think are both there's a a wide gap in quality between um, season one and seasons two and three. Mm -hmm. And it's a little hard to differentiate which one I like more between those two, because I like them for different reasons. Um, Makes sense. I think they definitely have a formula now, and moving forward, they're going to have to... You know, have they're going to have to have some ace up their sleeve to make it feel fresh. Because I think the biggest thing that made the season feel fresh was the mall as like a central um, set piece. Yeah. And without that, I think the season would have felt really, um, I guess, not really paving any new ground, I suppose. Yeah. You want to know what it reminds I me a lot of? Or go ahead, Zach. I mean, I was just going to add to that that I agree that season one is my favorite. I don't know if I have as wide of a gap between the seasons as Taylor does. Uh, I'd say that season three is my second favorite, if only because it felt really? a little bit more uh, uh, 
of a piece, I think. It, you know, something that struck me about season three is how uh, condensed a lot of the plotting is. It feels, it almost feels like one of those long night movies where it just things happen leading yeah. into one another, yeah. and it's you get your characters get no break; they get no rest in between. Uh, and that kind of gave it a fun energy to me that made me like it more than season two, uh, as well as some of the other thing, uh, elements of it. But yeah, season one is still far and away the best. But what were you going to say, Arthur? Dude, it reminds me a lot of uh, The Walking Dead. I don't know why. Really? Because the way t- you do, the way you were describing season one and how you felt it was its own contained thing. Like, yeah, we've seen 80s stuff before, but this still came in and did its thing. Yeah, we had seen zombies and all this stuff, but when The Walking Dead Season 1 came out and it was its tight six episodes by Frank Darabont, yeah. I, I still stand that that's some of the best in television. I still remember seeing those. It was junior year. At some point in high school, I was like, yo, this show is insane. It was on AMC. Then Season 2 happened, and you know, there's a bunch of videos covering and how it had to double up its... Uh, it's it's episodes and you can see like the quality went down there was stuff from the actors and then you know after three four five six uh, we we have the walking dead at a certain point i wonder seeing the marketing blast that the walking dead had remember when the walking dead had the brand new hyundai super or whatever it was that came in for like the third season you're like nah it was a zombie apocalypse they stopped creating these yeah uh i do wonder what stranger things is going to end up doing when it comes to um you know some of the some of the some of the future stuff when it comes to, you know, the actors needing more roles. And, and especially here being the, the case that they're all kids. Yeah. They're killing off the adults faster than they are the kids, you yeah. know? But the kids are all still here and they're about to reach that, like, pivotal point where they're all going to want to do something else and not oh. be stuck to this. And I feel that's going to be a way different dynamic than The Walking Dead and the adults wanting to leave. But it sounds the same to me. Season one's incredible. Then season two goes somewhere else. Season three, they had the prison. Season three, they had them all. Hmm. I wonder how they're going to take it. You're starting to sell me on this uh, on this comparison. I'm telling you, dude. I think I think what Stranger Thing ha- what Stranger Things has that The Walking Dead doesn't is an actual deadline. I know they've actually explain. I, I know they can always go back on their word, but they have publicly said they only have. I don't remember if it's four or five, but they have a... Uh, I think they've been waffling between four and five. Really? But they are they have a cap in sight, whereas The Walking Dead has just been meandering yeah, that's for... Really yeah, never-ending. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's the one thing that gives me a little more hope. Um, but like I sort of said in my Until video... Until you hear the no announcement for six, and then you're like, God, damn it. <laughs> yeah, they could totally do that, and that's because yeah. um, it's... It's so monster of the week now. They really. I feel like they have to. Like, think of what everything yeah. that's happening with Netflix. They're gonna need to keep something. Look at what happened with Rick and Morty. Have oh. we even seen after that deal broke? Well, I, I think they're uh, they're they're starting to unveil them. That's now. insane. We're, yeah, there's gonna be a season uh, four in like August or something. But exactly. how many episodes did they sign in that deal? Like eighty, seventy something. Yeah, eighty something. It's insane. And you think of it for everything else. Uh, what's happening with uh, even movie series Harry Potter let's go back to prequels Star yeah. Wars we're gonna get a new Star Wars show HBO with uh, yeah I'm sure Netflix would like to generate more and more Stranger Things content as uh, all these companies race towards uh, expanding different sorts of IP that being said you know I it, this show does feel like it has a, a lifespan uh, I don't know if you can really make it so monster of the week forever, and it's so. I think it is so 
intertwined to these characters being children that once they really do age out of being young, uh, you might not be able to continue the show. That's why, to me, it only makes sense to continue it for, like, one or two more years. Uh, Otherwise, you got to get, like, a whole new group of kids in there somehow. Maybe uh, they're setting up Nancy and... Charlie Heaton to have a kid later or something, but I, I don't know. four years old solving crimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's open this thing up to some Stranger Things spoilers. If you can't tell the truth or if you haven't seen the show, now's your chance to go and watch spoiler-free editions of the Intercut Podcast. They're all over this channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, or uh, subscribe to the audio feed. Uh, but let's get into some of the things that happen. We, we talked a little bit about this idea of the Monster of the Week and the returning Mind Flayer. They do a new thing with the Mind Flayer this season in which she kind of takes over bodies. And I, I thought it was a pretty cool effect the way that they have these bodies uh, decomposing at different points of the show. Uh, it also lends itself to giving Billy more to do as they kind of make Billy the voice of the Mind Flayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor, you've mentioned in the past that Billy has sort of felt a bit more tangential to the show. Did you like that they were able to both give the villain a voice and give Billy something to do in this third season? Um, I liked both of those things because um, I finally... Because, I mean, Billy's kind of been my least favorite character in the whole show. And last season, he he was... Really? All he really did was, like, beat up Steve and seduce yeah. Mrs. Wheeler. So it was good-looking? I mean, it was, it was fun, but... Um, the show started to lose me there. So this season, I'm glad they made him essential to the plot and gave him a reason to be there. But I do still have a few problems with it because the way it happens is very coincidental. It kind of just chooses Ooh, him yeah. of all people. And, then it's and there's under the no. Skin-ish. Like, um, even though he's part of the group, or someone pointed out in the comments that I complained about both the fact that. They've added a bunch of new characters, but also <laughs> that the same things keep happening to the same people. Right. And I don't think those are like mutually exclusive issues. I think the show is kind of messing up both things, because last season it introduced new characters that aren't inherently related to the plot, and then it's just because they're friends with the main characters that they're then added yeah. to the plot, and then there's still... Now that Billy's been introduced, it's still coincidental that the Mind Flayer chooses him to be the 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 lead flayed person. So I feel like there's a lot that... I feel like with some more restructuring in the script, they could have the new additions be added because they have some essential tension or addition in some way. And the show just hasn't really been doing that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, all right. What did you? Uh, I'm gonna play devil's advocate for you, Taylor. I'm gonna play devil's advocate for you. Okay. No, I agree with you. Uh, I would rather it be good-looking Billy than the lady who was eating the rats. All That's of a sudden, be like another manure? Manure. Yeah, the eating the manure stuff. Because it's like, hey, I'm a random person. I'm gonna be the main character. Nah, that rat lady. I needed her once. <laughs> gone after the fact. But I do agree with you. It's it's sort of like. So this is the sister of the person who it needed to be, and it's going to be a lot easier for this person to attract people. Let's do that. For me, it's always been the, the same thing when it, when it comes just to the homages, I guess. Like, Terminator. We, I've seen this already, and I'm going to see it later this year. Terminator whatever the heck's coming out, you yeah. know? I, I'm looking at, at, at yeah, what, I mean, what Billy's doing, and it was scarier and under the skin. I'm seeing, uh, yeah. It's, it's not... 
there this is a show that is largely made up of homages and I don't know know Check if their the Twitter, idea yeah. of an homage inherently that's bad but when the homage does nothing but make you think oh yeah that's kind of like the thing if you can you still know, give like, me emotion sure but the emotion is coming off your easter eggs and then your yeah, easter eggs are being confused as product placement or your, your product placement is being confused as easter eggs and that's right. where I'm a little concerning because a lot of the emotional points you know like Hopper died and all I'm just thinking I was like yeah y'all had to meet Burger King the whole week because he has to go do Hellboy Right, like the the uh, discount Arnold Schwarzenegger that they cast as that like faux Terminator, even though his entire plot of the season is basically getting beat up by Hopper, yeah. even though Hopper also gets beat up. Like he's not that much of an unstoppable force since he never really kills any of the people we know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and and I don't know. Uh, for some for some things like that, it doesn't work as well. You. Mentioned the Hopper death, though. Do we want to get into that? The the key emotional moment from the end of this third season? Did that do anything for you guys? Um, I wasn't too moved by it. It kind of just... I also don't fully buy into them actually killing him off. Right. Like, I, I found the content of his letter and the, the a way it was arranged on screen to be, like, emotionally satisfying... But I had this lingering thing in the back of my head saying Hopper's not dead. I, if that's the case, I'm matters. not watching season four. What? That's dumb. <laughs> How would he even come back? I, I, I don't know, man. Everybody is saying that Some he's shit. the American mm. at the uh, in the end of the credits in that last episode. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. I don't know how they would justify that. There also have been some hints about uh, potential time travel in the next season. They spend a lot of the third season watching Back to the Future. I don't, I don't know I what they're really going to do, hope. but I just can't imagine this show continuing without David Harbour. I really All hope right, there's they, no time they're going, travel. Yeah, then they're going six seasons. Uh, no, they're going ten seasons. <laughs> and they might as well just have Hopper come back and just say that it's a tight ad. Like, at that point, if you're just going to bring somebody back who just straight up died, I don't know what else to do with that. But yeah. I, I, Taylor had brought up a great point with this. He had mentioned the mall in one of his tweets, and he had talked about kind of uh, what the mall was supposed to represent in the show. And then how it was being used for marketing. And I think that's been an interesting thing when it comes to Stranger Things is that as much as it wants to be in the 80s, uh, it's not just commercials. It's their own Twitter stuff. Like there are how many accounts for Stranger Things? There's Stranger Things. There's Stranger Things in Spanish. There's Stranger Things writers. There's the Stranger Things. You know, there's like a different subset for all of them. And it's been interesting to get like an insight of the episodes, especially from the writer's perspective who have come out and said, you guys have missed something in episode three. And everyone keeps guessing what it is. And they ended up tweeting out a whole thread of Easter eggs from that episode. And it almost made me go, so y'all wrote one page of original content then? Because everything ended up being an Easter egg. But there's a thing between like what ends up being, um, uh, what's it called? Stuff that's like in the scene, right? So it's like, is this lamp, exactly, is this lamp that I have right here, if you guys can see it, uh, part of the set design because I'm in, I don't know, say I was in the 90s and the Bulls are doing good, or am I having it here because it's part of a, like it's on purpose I'm expecting you to get an emotion out of it You're hoping, or, yeah, or you're hoping to exactly. like sell that lamp at Walmart Exactly, branded. so as the rioters pretty much said it's like, if it wasn't something that they were selling, it was literally something they wanted to get an emotion out of so they would punch in on Reeboks or anything else, and I was like, oh 
Is there a talent when it comes to like being able to find all that stuff? I'd say so. You I know? think so. The Ready Player yeah. One people who got hired. I mean, those are people right. who are who who know that that decade. They know that generation. They know that entire pop culture thing. I mean, VH1 had that series, I Heart the 80s, that I know used to be on all the time. So there is a love for this, and it is a craft in and of itself. But I wonder, is this a lot to be nominated for Emmys if it's just repackaging? I mean, it's but it's not unoriginal stuff. It, it's put sure. together in original package. Like, I get the idea that it's very derivative, but... All of, all of our culture is derivative, at least to a degree. That doesn't necessarily mean, like... It makes me question... You know, Avatar's not going to get nominated for awards because it's the same plot as Pocahontas. Like, the, it shouldn't get nominated this at stuff all. <laughs> but I do wonder, do you think, like, the Terminator homage, at what point can it be considered an homage, and at what point do you get uh, the criticism Tarantino gets? But he's so far removed from his references from the 40s and 50s, even yeah. 70s. But, like, the 80s ones, unless it's, like, a direct homage, at what point is it, like, okay, this is the same emotion from Terminator. This is the same thing as what... this th- Season 1? E.T.? Come on. Well, well, I think the thing... Uh, Taylor, you go. Um, I think what was great about um, Season 1, I think there is a lot of gray area in terms of how much, the, how much credit the writers get for mm-hmm. having emotional stuff and how much is just them taking the, the pathos of the series they're um homaging or whatever but um yeah i do think in general um because season one is so concretely three specific archetypes i think it's in each of those just a successful uh, 80s kids movie a successful um teen slasher flick murder mystery like each of them Mm -hmm. is self-contained a narratively satisfying story and so and that's because of the genre tropes and i think at this point the story has become kind of homogenized and the homages are sprinkled around so you don't get the same pathos as um season one got because it's just taking the look of these tropes and not Mm -hmm. the fundamental stuff that they used to be taking I agree with you. Right. I know one of the things you brought up at the end was how they, they uh, in a sense, subvert that with the mm-hmm. idea of, like, at the end, they're not all really... Like, they're together, but it ends in, like, okay, they've all got their own little spaces right now. Hopper's dead. The kids may not be as united as they were before, but you had even brought up. They're at a point right now with, with the second half of this series, if they do go four, five, maybe six, uh, do you think four and five have the ability to be even better? So here's the thing with four and five. Uh, I think they've done a lot in season three to potentially set up four to be something new and interesting. We've we've ha- we've talked about how it's feeling a little bit repetitive, and I don't know if there's a whole lot more you can do in Hawkins. Like it's this one small town. Uh, we're a long way from uh, from Hopper saying that uh, mornings are for coffee and contemplation. You know, it's, shit's happening constantly <laughs> yeah. on this show. Uh, but now we have, with the end of season three, Joyce, Mike, or excuse me, Joyce, Will, and Eleven moving out of Hawkins. Where are they going? Potentially going to a bigger city. Chicago. We, ha- we have, uh, you know, the inclusion of these Russians and it, it, all these, ele- and the idea of Eleven uh, not having her powers at the end of the season, which that's been the one thing to save them again and again from this uh, existence of the Mind Flayer, I think there's enough potential threads that they could 
give us a fourth season that doesn't feel like more of the same doesn't mean it's gonna feel different though. Yeah. I I believe in them. I think that they might have something up their sleeve. Only because we've talked about is when it comes to franchises, when it comes to you know long movies, uh, and especially with TV series, that at this point you've been so invested in the characters, all the stakes are higher. If they have the yeah. balls to pull any of them, the stakes are higher because you've known these characters for so long. These aren't the same ones from season one. They have season one, two, three, then whatever else they got next. Do you think they're going to bring back that episode seven from season two? Depending on where they move, depending on, uh, I don't know if it's Taylor. time travel or something else. I feel like because they set it up, it's like too important of a thing for them to just not Ignore bring it. up again. Like there's so they many other. Ignored it through for all, <laughs> all of season, of season three. three. But it was like, not no once mentioned in season three. Yeah, I, I think they read the room and realized yeah. that people did not like that episode. Wait, are you guys and fans of that episode? No. No. Okay, because I like I hate that episode. No, I, I, I rewatched it again looking for Atlanta. I was like, this is trash. It, yeah, it doesn't bring pretending anything. Pretending to sound like the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm curious to see how they will incorporate it if they can fix it if they can do something better with it. I'm also interested to see if we're saying they're going to go uh, two more years. Does that mean it's going to be 86, 87? Because they have gone per year 83, 84, 85. I've yeah. found that very and interesting. In all likelihood. Uh, I think they should have done more with 85. I feel like 85 was a much bigger pop culture year. I know as much as I'm complaining about the product placement, I feel like they, like JCPenney and Gap, out of everything that happened in 1985? Yeah. Should have seen a bear shuffle there. Aren't they in Indiana? Mm-hmm. I should have seen a bear shuffle going somewhere. <laughs> it was 85. Come on. I feel like they've got a um, the opposite problem of X-Men, where X-Men... Is like it's been 30, 40 years in universe time, stuff. and they all look yeah. the exact same age. Yeah, exactly. Canonically, yeah. they're only like, like what eight months between season the events of season two and season three, because season yeah, three right. is in the summer. Aged three years or so. Yeah, and they look <laughs> so much older. So I feel like the only way they can justify, like they they sort of have to keep doing year by year just because of the mm-hmm. kids aging so much. Yeah, and yeah. that's another thing that could potentially make it harm to do some kind of time travel uh, idea. The kids are going to be a lot harder to make look like they're young again. Yeah, it was going to be interesting. I, yeah, I, I think they still have uh, some threads to pull. I, you know, I I do think that the most interesting aspects of the show have always been uh, when it focuses more on the relationship dynamics, when it focuses more on the small town uh, aspect of this. I really loved. Uh, the moment in season three when Will is kind of realizing that his friends are growing up without him, you know, uh, we all have we all have that experience of either you just get interested in something before your friend or your friend like starts Will, going bro. out and dating girls and you're just like want to play video games or something. Want to play D and D. And I I thought that was a really cool element that actually reckons with the idea that this is a kid who was like robbed of some part of his childhood uh, and it's trying to grab it back Uh, when when the show is focused on stuff like that when the show is focused on uh, the Starcourt mall taking business away from all the mom and pop shops and and closing down Main Street I think that's much more interesting than any of the upside down stuff so I'm hoping that that's going to continue to be a focus of the show and they don't convolute it with too much 
of the uh, mythology behind the Mind Flayer and stuff because that stuff doesn't add up as well to me. Yeah, I feel like it's a Death Star. When I saw it pop out yet again at the end, I was like, this feels like a Death Star. It's always a Death Star. That's all I got to say to it. I'm hoping that they jump into the future. Maybe we can get some 90s stuff somewhere in there. (laughs) There's no way they go 90s. uh, Do you have any... Taylor, do you have any hopes for season four or the future of Stranger Things? I just hope they establish some sense of um, all this upside down stuff has a um, an end point or an overarching, just something so it doesn't feel like each season is just another thing popping out of the the upside down monster generator. Totally. Makes sense. All right, so I think that's about all for this edition of Let Us Explain on Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at ZShevich, and check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplexshow. Taylor, let the people know where they can catch more from you. All right, well, my YouTube channel is my name, Taylor J. Williams. On Twitter, I'm Taylor Film Guy. Letterboxd as well. Um, Instagram, Taylor underscore J underscore Williams. Uh, that's about all I have to plug. <laughs> and check out his cool. Stranger Things video, too. He's got oh, that yeah. out there. Yeah, just check posted it yesterday. Out. We'll make sure to link that in the description down below. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z show, uh, pretty much on everything. Also at Let Me Explain, we will have a Stranger Things video coming out as well. Uh, the audacity of Stranger Things is what I'm calling it. But definitely check out... Uh, again, Taylor's video, we got this up. We also have some other videos out uh, that are Let Us Explains, yeah. like Midsomar and stuff, that you can catch right here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Thursday. And please leave a comment, like the video, Consider heading over to Apple Podcast and giving us that sweet five-star love. We love when you get those five-star reviews on our podcast. It does a lot to help the show. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod. That's at Intercut, P-O-D. That's short for podcast. To get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from Taylor, and all the guests here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time... He's here. Was that for Stranger Things? Yeah. The the next so he, Will's Spidey sense that they show fifty times. <laughs>